Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 251. My name's Adam Patterson. I'm joined today by Kevin Rakestraw. How are you, Kevin? I'm doing pretty good. Great. Glad yeah. to hear it. Glad to hear it. This week on the show, we'll be talking about E.L. Katz's latest, Small Crimes, which is now available on Netflix. We'll also be going over some of what we've been watching on the watch list. I'll be talking about my Tribeca 2017 experience. And we're going to be doing a roundup of new releases in theaters, VOD, Blu-ray, all that fun stuff. Remember, you can send us an email at podcast at filmpulse.net. Let us know what you've been watching, what you want us to talk about, different trending topics in the world of movies. You can send us a tweet at filmpulse.net. And if you like what you hear, consider helping us out by becoming a patron. Patreon.com forward slash filmpulse is the address. Just cost a dollar a month and you'll be helping us out tremendously and helping us keep the show and the website ad free. Let's go ahead and jump right into our review. Oh, okay. Get so, to it. Yeah, so this is another one that just kind of popped up on Netflix. It wasn't aware that it was going to be on Netflix at all. When we were discussing what we were going to review this week, I just on a whim kind of looked and see to see what was out on Netflix. And lo and behold, here it is. Small Crimes. I was, I was, I was trying to think of it. Because I knew that there was something coming out that looked like it was could be up your alley, right? And I could not think of the name of this movie. And I still, every single time I look it up, for whatever reason, I keep typing "easy crime." <laughs> easy crime. <laughs> I don't know why. Like, and I searched and searched on Google. I was like, "Easy crime Netflix comes out today." Easy crime, and I couldn't find anything. I'm like, "What the fuck? Where is this movie?" <laughs> Turns out it's called Small Crimes. Yes, it's called Small Crimes. This is directed by E.L. Katz, written by E.L. Katz and Macon Blair. I have the synopsis here. A disgraced former cop fresh off a six-year prison sentence for attempted murder returns home looking for redemption, but winds up trapped in the mess he left behind. Now, I should note, this uh, this is kind of a topic that we've been talking about a lot recently. This is a Netflix original, so this... This uh, was picked up and released on Netflix, so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. this is this is adding to their their slate, and I think that uh, it definitely fits within at least what we've been seeing lately with the Netflix stuff, as far as the look and feel and everything. This stars yeah. Nicolaj Coster Waldo, probably mispronouncing that. The guy from Game of Thrones. It's Jamie Lannister. <laughs> Robert Forrester's in there. Gary Cole's in there, Macon Blair, Larry Fessenden, Jackie Weaver, Pat Healy. Lots Molly of great Parker. people. Mo- Molly Parker. Yep. Can't forget her. She's great. Uh, we'll start with you, Kevin. What did you think of Small Crimes? Uh, it, it, it start, this is starting to be perhaps a Netflix. It seems like all their movies that they pick up are kind of the same. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. That's exactly that, what I was saying. Like they, They're all kind of the same. And that they're all... I mean, this is a manila folder through and through. It is. I just, you know, hour and 30 minutes goes by. And it's just like, yeah, I guess I watched a movie. And then I, I almost completely forgot it. I, I mean, I can't, I can't even when I was still Googling the thing, even when I looked it up on IMDb, I still can't remember the name of this movie. I am 100% 
with you on this. That's why before we started recording, I realized that I didn't take any notes on this movie. And, I re- and usually I don't, but sometimes for movies like this, I kind of have to because I watched this yesterday and I already forgot large portions of it. So I am 100% with you on this. This was a bit of a manila folder. I, I liked the movie. It was fine. It was serviceable. Yeah. But there wasn't, exactly. there just wasn't anything that really kind of got its hooks in me and nothing that really grabbed me with it. It was like the no. performances were fine. You know, Jackie Weaver was great. She played the mom, which I, I thought was interesting. The uh, I felt like the age gap there was like really slim, Com- like Robert Forrester playing Jamie Lannister's dad. I don't know. It seemed there seemed to be a, I don't know what the age difference is between those two actors, but. It felt. I think it's probably wide enough. Maybe I don't know. He just. Yeah. Oh, he seems. Yeah. He seems a lot older. Forster's nineteen forty-one. Nicola is nineteen seventy. All right. So yeah, I guess it's it's there. <laughs> it's there. It's enough. It's enough. I don't know. I don't know if it just felt like Jamie Lannister was older and Robert Forrester was younger or what. But anyway, that I mean it, that didn't bother me. Um, anyway, I thought I thought that <laughs> I think the. It did. No, it, did it, it, it didn't. I just, I just, I don't know. It felt weird. It just felt weird to see, I guess maybe because I'm not used to people of that age going home to live with their parents, but I thought that that, that added some, there were some funny, actually funny moments because of that, that dynamic where he was kind of forced to live with his parents again. Yeah. I mean, there's the, the other thing that I kind of noticed was for this to be co-written by Megan Blair, which apparently Netflix is just picking up anything with Megan Blair and or has his name attached to, I did find it odd that he got. It seemed like he kind of he's he definitely has a huge influence from uh, Jeremy Sullivan. Where it seems like yeah, Blue Ruin is creeping up and like all anything that he does, like the the entirety of him playing this Scotty character who's a uh, guess like an army reserve and the, the way that plays out it was pretty much exactly what happens in blue ruin right with uh with buzz yeah like it was almost exactly the same mm-hmm. and it's just like oh man you are just gonna you're just gonna cherry pick from blue ruin for the next how many movies i don't think he's gonna do that but i i, I have i have faith that he will not do that i hope not i thought gary cole he was good times I thought Gary yeah, Cole so, gave a good performance, but yeah. So so basically, uh, Nikolaj played this guy named Joe Denton, who was uh, ex cop. The one thing that I liked about the movie was that they never explicitly laid out what he did at first to be put behind bars. You knew he did something terrible, and then as the movie progresses, you you learn more about what was going on. So th- that that aspect of it I like. They didn't they didn't immediately spell out everything that was going on. You had to it, the truth came out slowly. And that felt very natural to me because obviously in real life you wouldn't be just telling your life story to everyone that, you know, especially people that that know you. Yeah. And Gary Cole played uh, I guess I don't know if it was his partner or just another officer that he worked with on the force that was uh, not not a great guy. Not a very nice guy. Mm-mm. No. And I, I like Gary Cole in the villain in the villain role because he was he was a son of a bitch in this movie. He sure was. 
And he, he seemed to be perhaps the only person that seemed to truly enjoy themselves in this movie. Everyone else is just kind of serviceable performances. Nothing really to comment on. I mean, Jesus. What is there to comment on in small crimes? <laughs> Except that it's of a length and you can watch it. And th- like people move and talk. There's definitely talking. There's some moving. <laughs> there's some action in it. There's people. I was expect. I was expecting more comedy. Yeah, which is that's another thing. It 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 seems to dip its toes in some in some comedic relief, or it, it try you know it tries to go for that tone occasionally, but it never fully goes there. No, at least it didn't feel like it. It never fully committed to like trying to get that balance of you know like the the crime and the violence and the comedy all together it's just yeah. an occasional dip of a toe in the old comedy there were there were a few moments that made me laugh but i i didn't think that it was nearly as funny as cheap thrills which was his last film which i thought worked uh, a lot better than this one again i didn't think that this movie was bad it just didn't really do much for me yeah I, i'm right there with you uh, I like to see like to see Pat Healy back. He played he played a bad guy too. He played yeah, the son oh, of this kind of mob boss guy. I, could, I should say, yeah, he seemed to be having fun too with his role. Him and Gary Cole. Yeah, I mean, okay. <laughs> and then there was this kind of so this this Joe guy. He's trying to get his life together, but things just keep pulling him back into the dark side. He keeps. He keeps ending up doing bad things or being involved with with terrible things that are happening. And then they kind of shoehorn in this love story where he falls for uh, Molly Parker's character of Charlotte, who is the nurse taking care of his former mob boss protege. And I felt like that that like that, that love story never really it didn't really work because they didn't really go into it too deeply it all felt very fast and and underdeveloped yeah well and and then what happens towards the end how quickly he's just like all right and just goes on with his life well yeah i mean they they put that in essentially just to because it's the only way to get the desired you know it just made everything easier just to get that desired outcome which none of it made sense yeah it's just you know like you say, it's kind of shoehorned in there. It feels really forced. It's not really developed all that well. And then the way that it plays out at the end, you're just like, oh, okay. So that's the only reason we kind of, we really introduced her was to just make it really simple to just wrap all this up. Yeah, she did kind of act as a uh, bit of a plot device, which was unfortunate. Yeah, and then the, like you said, it's just, <laughs> it's just like, oh, mm bummer and then just goes on goes on with his life i'm not even sure how this ended honestly i can't even remember (laughs) i i i I was thinking about it just now and i'm like wait a minute how did this how did this end i remember now but i don't know what did you what did you think of how it ended it's just it was pointless i I thought the ending the ending was a little it just it felt like uh, I, it didn't just, it didn't seem right to me like it didn't seem like that's no how it would and unfold and knowing it, the characters and to take the the easy cheap way out it's just kind of like uh 
so you just kind of wasted my time up until that point you're just gonna yeah. you're gonna this is the way that you're gonna end it hmm. see now it's now it's starting to come back a little bit and yeah now, now i'm starting to not like it now that i'm yeah, talking you, to another talk, human you, you, being you, you, about yeah it. when you when you talk through it yeah yeah because you know i'm just sitting in my house and i'm like okay that wasn't a terrible hour and a half whatever and then i do other things and i kind of forget about it but now that i'm forced to speak to another human being about the film i'm just like hold up this is fucking stupid i don't like this movie yeah it really i really struggled to keep my attention on this one i don't i don't like easy crimes i don't like that movie <laughs> you know well it's funny that you said that i didn't i didn't mistake it for easy crimes but i did forget the title more than once because so I, I sat down yesterday i was gonna watch it you know i, I open up my netflix app and it's not it is nowhere to be found i do not see it on any of my lists i don't see it anywhere so i have to search for it and i was like i cannot remember the name of this <laughs> i remember the that i remembered the director so i looked it up but see that's interesting because on mine it's right there on the front page it's like in the first like oh was it there's always that like that row of like five netflix originals that take up like a huge like the whole front page mine essentially. yeah mine was like casting john benet dear white people and then like some random stuff that clearly they don't understand me just yet because i wasn't interested at all all right, so that's Small Crimes. Not a lot to say about it. I would say, I mean, for me, it was just right down the middle. I'll give this a 5 out of 10. Uh, not, the, I mean, the performances were serviceable. There was some decent action in it. But the, the ending left me feeling a little bit blah. And overall, I just think, unfortunately, it was a pretty forgettable affair. Mm -hmm. I think that E.L. Katz is still a good director. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I just think that it was kind of a basic script yeah yeah it, it's <clears throat> again it's kind of one of those things where you almost it feels so familiar you know what i mean you're just like i think i've seen this before right yeah it's just nothing. all right what are you gonna give it out of ten uh, i give it like four and a half five all right four and a half five all right that's small crimes if you have netflix it is available on there now now before we get into the watch list I have a little topic that I wanted to just quickly discuss this week. Uh -oh. So on the website a couple of weeks ago, maybe two weeks ago, uh, I, I posted that the Weinstein Company was contesting the R rating that was given to that movie, Three Generations, that's coming out uh, sometime in May. Okay. Uh, because it was it was giving it was given an R rating. We know that the Weinstein Company is always doing this type of thing. They always are sort of battling against the MPAA when it comes to certain movies. Uh, they did it with Bully. Uh, I don't know if because I remember the King's Speech was another one, but I don't know if that was the Weinstein Company or not. But I remember that was another one that they appealed to get a PG thirteen and. So Three Generations, which is a family drama about uh, a, a teenager who is uh, transgender. She's played by Elle Fanning. I don't I, I don't... I've heard, like, absolutely nothing about this movie until this, which has always made me want... Like, with Weinstein, 
because he seems like he's the only one that has, you know, public fights with what rating well, the movie's the going to get. Like that's the thing. Is and he, he just does this to drum up support, right? Or, or at least interest, I should say. Right. So a lot of people get ratings that they don't want when it comes to movies, and they can appeal. You can appeal the MPAA to get a different rating. You can uh, make cuts to the movie. Like when you get the rating back, they give you notes on mm-hmm. what why it's rated this so you can make cuts to the film or you can appeal it and with the weinsteins a lot of times they really they put out press releases when they get ratings that they don't want because they know that that's gonna drum up publicity and and interest in the movie so i think that it's a little bit of a you know there's two sides to the coin on one side you have a movie that probably young people should see I think that with this movie, I mean, I don't know if it's any good or not, but just looking at the topics that are discussed in the movie, I feel like young people probably should be able to see this movie. And if it's rated R, there's a possibility that they may not be able to see it. Uh, you know, if you're if you're a, say, 15 or 16-year-old and you're starting to realize that, you know, your gender at birth is not your actual gender, but you're not ready to tell your family or something like that and you want to watch this movie and you but you don't want your family to know or something like that you know there's situations where your parents may not let you see a movie that you really want to see and if it's rated r you're not getting it yeah yeah it was, so it comes down to representation and then yeah of course and then on the other side there's the the, the publicity the free publicity that this movie's getting where you know it's the uh what's it called it's called the, the the streisand effect where you tell somebody not to do something and they want to do it so uh this week they released another press release saying that because of the overwhelmingly positive response from this appeal it has now been given the pg-13 rating Ooh. so the they, they appealed to the mpaa there was a change.org petition that went out got thirty-five thousand signatures uh glad was supporting this um and they came out with a release saying that you know it was given the pg-13 however if you look at the bottom of the the press release it says here uh let me let me find it okay here it is so they said quote Following the launch of Durkey's petition in support of the PG-13 rating, Ellis spoke with Joan Graves, the head of the Classification and Rating Administration for the MPAA, as well as with Weinstein in an effort to mediate a solution. At the recommendation of Glad and Ellis, TWC made some edits to the film as a compromise in order to ensure it reaches the intended youth audience. So this isn't a win. They didn't, they didn't like win. They edited the movie so that it could be given a PG 13 rating. This is not something that's, that's uncommon. They wanted it to be seen by a wider audience so that, so they had to edit it. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, okay. But it's so funny when you, when you look at the press release, it, 
seems like they're saying, oh, this is like a huge win. You know, the, the yeah, petition yeah. was great. And I think it's great. I'm, I'm, I'm so happy that so many people signed this, this petition and that Glad was behind them and they're really pushing for this movie to be seen by a wide audience. That's great. But the fact that they're making it out to be like, you know, score one for the little guys, it's, that's not the case. They, they censored their own movie so that it would get a PG-13 rating. Yeah. It happens all the time. What now, if it was what they should have done was said, no, we're not going to be compromising the artistic vision of our movie. We're not going to edit it. We're not going to cut it. We're not going to do anything. You need to give it a PG-13 based on these reasons. And I think that that's the problem. And I've said it many times on the show, and I'll, I'll continue to say it. The MPAA has fundamental problems with how it rates movies in that they don't rate it based on on context they don't rate rate it based on they only rate it based on specific criteria yeah. within the content itself so if this movie you know i'm assuming that it there was probably some bad language and they if, if you say fuck twice in your movie it's getting rated r yeah watch out you know plain plain and simple so, I mean, that's what happened with Bully. So in the movie Bully, which was the documentary about bullying, uh, it got the R rating because fuck was said like three, three or four times. Mm. So they ended up cutting, cutting out. I think they like, they cut out, um, I don't know if they cut it or just kind of bleeped it. I can't remember. But they ended up doing it to get the PG-13 rating. Yeah. And in that one specifically... It was, I thought that one was more egregious because the whole point of it was to see this footage of these kids being bullied. And when you are, the whole point of it is to see these kids calling each other names and things, there's going to be foul language. And if you, if you censor that or edit it, that's taking away from the whole point of it. Right. Yeah. Which is, it is kind of funny too, in the sense that you want to give it an R rating to keep the kids from seeing other kids swearing. Like the kids are already swearing. So the R rating's not going to stop it because it's right. kids, it's kids already swearing. Exactly. And, so and what, what did, what's your aim here? And I'm sure it's the same thing with, with three generations. It looks like, the MPA settled on an official rating of PG-13 for mature thematic content, some sexual references in language. Mature thematic content. It it just, it infuriates me. And anytime something like this happens, I'm always going to talk about it because I feel like that there needs to be fundamental changes within our rating system. I, I don't think they should like get rid of it. I don't, I'm not saying like abolish the rating system, but... Oh, when that shit. that's what I'm saying. Get rid of it. Blow it up. This the success of a movie is it makes or breaks a lot of movies. This movie's and, gonna bomb anyways. R rated. I mean, yeah, the, movie, the movie's probably not gonna be very good anyway, but that's not really the point. I think that we're we're getting closer to to that because you, you look at a lot of these movies that are coming out on Netflix and on VOD and they're not rated. They're just they're saying screw it, we're just gonna put it out yeah. not rated because you know what the the only reason to get your movie rated in the first place is so that the multiplexes will screen it because they have a deal the NATO the National Theater 
their National Association of Theater Owners, they have a deal with the MPAA that says that any movies that they screen in their theaters, they have to be rated. So that's why any big movie that's going to be playing in a multiplex will be rated. Yeah. But there, a lot of theaters are pulling away from that too. Like, I mean, especially like here in the city, there's a lot of movie theaters that will gladly play movies that, that are not rated. So anyway, I just uh, wanted to talk about that because anytime anything with the MPA comes up, I just feel the need to discuss. Burn it but Burn it let's talk about some Tribeca stuff. I, I'm going to apologize in advance to you, Kevin, because... I have a feeling you watched a lot of stuff at Tribeca. I, I mean, I watched a decent... I, I've seen a decent amount of stuff. Far, far fewer movies than I expected to. Hmm. I don't know good. what the, the I don't know what the full count was. I don't know what I what I ended on. I was a lot more selective this year. You know, usually when I go to a film festival, I cram in as much as I can. So like if I have, you know, a two hour window where I'm not in a screening, I'll just go see whatever I can within that time, yeah. even if I'm not interested in it, even if I don't even know what it is. Uh, this year, I was a lot more selective where I, I pretty much only went to see stuff that I had even uh, a mild interest in. Okay. All right. So I'll just, All right. I'll talk about some of, some of what I, some of my favorite things that I saw at the festival and then some of my least favorite things, and then maybe some in between stuff. And then what we can do is we'll, I'll talk about a couple and then let you have the floor and talk about something you saw. Did you see stuff this week? I saw, uh, yeah, not, not too many. Okay. But that's fine. Yeah. Uh, the the best movie I saw at the festival uh, was one that I already talked about, which was The Endless. So that was the Justin Benson, Aaron Moorhead film, the kind of sci-fi-ish movie. Uh, if you've seen any of these other, uh, any of the other movies that these guys have done, Resolution or Spring, they you, you may know that they they kind of like to blend genres. They don't they don't like to stick to one category they like to mix it up and that's how this one is too it's definitely a a mashup of different genres and it's it's fantastic i won't say anything more about it go into it completely cold i said that in my review you can read my review without spoilers no so in my review there's no spoilers at all i barely talk about the plot and the only things that i mention in the plot are um in the, in the very brief like one sentence synopsis so the endless was probably my favorite movie uh close behind it was mr long which is the new movie by sabu oh yeah so this was uh i mean this guy we we saw we checked him out a long long time ago many many moons ago we saw postman blues and monday an unlucky monkey and an unlucky monkey is, did he do? Yeah, he did do that, didn't he? Yeah, because it was a, it was a three one. it was a three pack that I got off. Yeah, of. yep, yep. I remember that now. Uh, so he has a new one out called Mister Long. Basically, it's about a hitman who goes to Tokyo. He's from Taiwan. He goes to Tokyo to carry out a hit. It goes wrong, and he ends up getting shot, left for dead, and he has to basically survive so what he does is he ends up in this little village kind of on the outskirts of uh, Tokyo and fixes himself up 
and he, he ends up meeting the residents of this this tiny little village and befriending them sort of and then he decides to or they decide for him because at one point they realize that he's an, uh, an amazing cook so they set him up with a little noodle stand so he starts working at this little noodle stand that they built for him and just living his life as a uh, a noodle chef that's it <laughs> and, and it is so made this movie is so amazing it's uh it's a little long it's like two hours and nine minutes long, so it's it's got some length to it, but it's this perfect blend of action and comedy and heart and tragedy. I mean, there's a lot of really heavy, dark shit that happens in this movie, uh, but it it adds this level of comedy that keeps things relatively light and even though all this this terrible terrible uh stuff happens throughout the movie um it ends on such a heartwarming note that i just i couldn't help but love it i thought it was fantastic hmm. so that mr long is definitely one that i would uh add to your little letterbox watch list kevin i think you'll like it quite a bit even though i think you'll agree that it's too long it's, it, i can i can tell right now that it is <laughs> just just looking uh, at the runtime, like yeah, I, I, I feel long. like at this that's at this long. point, anything over sixty minutes, you're just like too long, too long. Uh-uh. <laughs> nah, nope. I, like I am, I am getting close to that. I mean, I do have, like, when it comes to books, I have a cutoff. If the if your book is over like three hundred pages, I'm not reading it. I'm not gonna read it. I'm not even gonna try. Interestingly, I got an email just this week about the new Lav Diaz movie. Oh yeah, did you? Did you see the runtime on that bad boy? Oh, I'm sure it's like eight hours or something. It's, I think it's like three hours and 50 minutes or oh, something. Oh, that's actually short for him. Yeah. Sweet Jesus. Uh, another great one that I saw was Flower. This is directed by Max Winkler. It is Henry Winkler's son. Look no, that up. Not. It is, yeah. <laughs> so this is, uh, this is produced by Roughneck Pictures. That's the Danny McBride, Jody Hill david gordon green company right so if you're familiar with any of their other movies or tv shows they did you know of course eastbound and down and vice principals and they did donald cried and they did the comedy so if you're familiar with their stuff you know that they kind of have a thing for very dark humor Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and looking at their looking at their filmography they're really doing some great stuff i i feel like we need companies like that, that that are reinvigorating the American comedy because I feel like it's really, I, I feel like we're just losing that genre at this point. And I feel like the people like uh, Jody Hill and David Gordon Green and, and Danny McBride are, are revitalizing a dying genre. It does seem to be dying, doesn't it? Well, hopefully they'll be putting out stuff like Flower and revitalizing it because flowers this great this great coming of age movie you lost uh, stars you Zoe lost just it's not your typical coming of age story you trust lost me. Me more. <laughs> it's it stars Zoe Deutsch I think that's how you say her last name uh, <laughs> but the movie opens with her going down on a police officer okay and while her two best friends are recording it on their phone and then they blackmail him for all his money uh 
So it's a very so it's a very dark comedy. She plays the seventeen year old girl who makes her money by going around town giving blowjobs to guys and blackmailing them. Okay. And her father is in prison, and she's the the reason that she's going around giving so many BJ's is that she wants to save up money to bail him out of prison. And her mom's played by Catherine Hahn. She's uh getting married to her 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 new boyfriend played by Tim Heidecker and Tim Heidecker's character has a son who is getting out of rehab son's played by Joey Morgan. And at first uh, Zoe Deutsch's character doesn't want anything to do with it, but then they kind of form this friendship and some really crazy shit happens. Adam Scott's in it as well. And it's very funny again, pretty dark, pretty raunchy in a lot of ways, but very, very well made. Uh, I enjoy this one quite a bit. Do you have any interest now um, in it? Maybe. Passing interest, maybe. All right. Uh, what about you? What do you got? Uh, I watched Passengers. <laughs> what? <laughs> Why? I don't know. I don't know. Um, I got to say, for... A good portion of this film, maybe maybe halfway, maybe halfway, it wasn't that bad, you know. Um, it it definitely has its issues with what Chris Pratt does, what his character does in this film. But up to a certain point, you know, it's the way that they kind of frame it is, you know, they don't excuse it. And I'm just gonna spoil the thing. He 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 wakes up early, right? He's got like 90 years to go. And he, he's able to make it like a year. And then he's like, fuck this. I'm waking up Jennifer Lawrence. And then I'm going to try and get her to fall in love with me. Which does happen. They end up falling in love. But she also ends up finding out that he woke her up on purpose. So then she loses it. She just starts ignoring him and shit. She's really pissed off. And, you know, the way that they frame it is just kind of like, yeah, he did a terrible thing. <clears throat> so, you know after a certain point of that there's nothing there's nowhere for this story to really go right it kind of it's kind of run its course but yet there's still a shitload of runtime left so what they end up doing is just Lawrence Fishburne wakes up for no reason so it's essentially like two years later and just Larry Fishburne wakes up and he's like hey what's going on and like oh something's wrong with the ship da 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 so Immediately, he figures out every single thing that's wrong with the ship, right? But also, he figures out that because they have this, like, pod thing that they put you in to, like, diagnose you because there's something wrong with him. He doesn't seem healthy. So he ends up that he has, like, 67 diseases or something, and he's going to die within, like, two days. But, of course, it's just enough time for him to figure out every single thing that's wrong with the ship that way Chris Pratt can fix it. And of course, like right before he dies, he's like, you guys should make the best of it. You know, you should apologize to to her and she should take you back. And then that's what happens is that he's like, oh, I'm going to fix the ship. And of course, he has to die to do it. And she's like, no, if you die, I die. And it's, she's like all heartbroken. and Just she's crushed because he's got to essentially burn himself in order to fix the and it's just fucking ridiculous it's just so stupid and ridiculous sounds like it yeah 
But I mean, up until that point, it was like, hey, this isn't actually that bad. Like, I don't know why people were complaining about with this one. And then you, you know, then that occurs and you're like, oh, okay, now I get it. I see, I see why people hated this thing. Uh, I'll talk about one of the, I'll talk about one of the worst things I saw at Tribeca. Did you see the passengers at Tribeca too? I didn't. I didn't. (laughs) I didn't know if they did. I kind of wish I did. 70 millimeter special presentation (laughs) or some shit. Uh, that'd be funny a repertory screening of passengers <laughs> you know in 30 years time that's gonna be fucking happening in manhattan somewhere probably i saw the clapper this is directed by dito montiel so this is the comedy with ed helms amanda seafried tracy morgan ah oh, man i remember when we were when we first talked about the tribeca lineup on on the show i believe and I mentioned the clapper and I was like, oh, yeah, I'm really excited to see that. It sounds very funny. It's basically about this guy who uh, is a professional clapper. So he is a paid actor in infomercials. Like he's a paid audience member mm-hmm. in infomercials. So he, he goes and does all the different infomercials and acts like a, an, a, a, an intrigued audience member. And sometimes like he has to wear different disguises and he'll have to stand up and ask stupid questions. Mm-hmm. And in the movie, this talk show, this like late night talk show sort of discovers that he's in the audience of all of these different infomercials. And they point it out and they're like, oh, we want to see this guy. We want to we want to meet with him. We want to find out what what his deal is, why he's in all these different infomercials and why he's got all these different disguises and it sort of turns into this viral hit as a result he loses his job they they fire him and he was just starting a relationship with amanda seafried and she ends up getting fired from her job for some reason and then she just disappears because you know you don't bother getting the phone number of the person you're dating or even their last name because that would be too too easy to find her. Yeah. What? So what happens is he ends up getting a job at the talk show that sort of caused this, caused all of this, in order to try to find her via the talk show by you know announcing her name and saying if you know where she is. Let me know. Tell her to call me or whatever. And it's like a it, it, it's like what? a Joe Dirt esque situation. What? It's yeah. It's unbelievable what happened. It's so bad. I just I couldn't even wrap my head around what I was watching. It's absolutely terrible. Tracy Morgan's funny in it. He's the only funny thing in this movie. Ed Helms not funny. Ed Helms plays his character is so dumb. Like, he doesn't know how to use the internet. He doesn't know how to do a Google search. He is such an idiot that it's that it's almost offensive how stupid he is. Hmm. And Amanda Seyfried's character, you know, there's... When, when, when this guy is at, like, the height of his fame, there's billboards for him that have his face on everywhere around town. And... In one in one scene, she goes, "Oh, I don't have a TV. I don't really use the internet." So it's like, okay, so that's their explanation on she she is so oblivious to what's happening. She doesn't know that he's 
become famous or anything. She's just completely oblivious. Yeah, it was just it was lazy. The movie, the whole movie, just felt so lazy, and it was. I think it was by far the worst thing I saw there. I just learned that she's from Allentown. Yeah, I saw that. I didn't know that. It's. I mean, it's a shame. She was. She was good in it. Amanda Seyfried was good in it, but th- she just didn't really have anything good to work with. And yeah, this this was. Really, really bad. I, I have a, f- I do have a full review for that up on the site. Um, sounds awful. Yeah, it's, whew, whew. Um, <laughs> keeping on the 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 shit wagon. I have uh, the the other. I I didn't really see anything else that I was just like that was terrible. I saw one yesterday called Devil's Gate. It was a horror movie. This was a a new a debut from a guy named Clay Staub. And it was a it was a horror movie that was sort of like it reminded me of the void in a lot of ways where it's about these people held up in this kind of uh, cabin out, or uh, like a ranch house out in the middle of nowhere and there's these aliens basically that are trying to attack them. I have a review for this up on the site as well. There there may be some mild spoilers in my review because one of the things that that kind of irked me about the movie was maybe could be considered a light plot spoiler but it's it's pretty bad i mean it's it's a concept that we've seen many many times before in these types of movies i'm not going to say what it is on the sh- on the show here but it's it's bad yeah it sounds again that's another one that sounds like uh sounds pretty familiar it started off pretty good My like I, i'm not gonna lie it started off pretty interesting uh because i didn't really know where it was gonna go and it just it just as it goes on it just gets worse and worse and worse and the dialogue is so unbelievably cheesy i'm just like oh god oh. i have a feeling it's gonna that'll show up on netflix yeah that'll that, be, that that seems like that, that'll movie. definitely that'll definitely be a straight to vod or straight to netflix situation probably similarly to uh, psychopaths which was the new mickey keating one which i also saw uh, this one was a little interesting. This one didn't work for me, but I could see it working for a lot of people. This one, uh, now we've talked about this guy's movies in the past. We, we did, uh, we reviewed Darling Carnage and Park. we also did Carnage Park on the show. So this is his next one. This dude's just been cranking him out left and right. Yeah. And this one, like his other ones are they're completely different. Like he, he just loves taking a complete 180 from the last project he was on. But it also seems like he just loves taking, uh, horror tropes and different subgenres and putting his own spin on them. And psychopaths is basically this, uh, really abstract. I think he called it a collage of violence and glamor at the Q and a, and that's basically what it is. There's no there's no real narrative structure to it at all. It's just kind of scene after scene of violence. It's about these four psychopaths who are going around killing people and it just cuts from one to the next to the next to the next and back and it'll like kind of randomly cut in between them. And there's so there's not really any kind of linear progression like things go back in time and move forward and so it's just like these random segments. Uh, the film is also very, 
visually trippy like it's very surreal he plays around with like a lot of crazy filters and different camera angles and he uses like a split screen thing at one point and each segment has its own kind of distinct style like one feels like this kind of um 50s hollywood style and one is more like this kind of seedy 80s motel and so he just basically he just threw the kitchen sink in with this one and it was just i don't know it felt almost like a demo reel like he was just having a lot of fun with it yeah didn't really work for me i thought it was an interesting concept basically there is a loose narrative in that the film starts with this uh infamous serial killer played by uh, larry fessenden being put to death and before he's put to death he says that like he's gonna inhabit the earth and rain chaos and violence so it's presumed that like this guy's soul or something fragmented and went into these other people and caused them to go crazy and each one of the psychopaths has like their own little shtick like the one guy wears different masks and kills people uh there's a woman who's sort of like this femme fatale where she's got this like blonde wig and she kills like other serial killers and she tortures them this, sort of uh sort of like an almost uh an audition vibe to that one yeah this this doesn't sound good it's this, uh, it sort of I, seems it like it's just an excuse to yeah and, and that's what it felt like it was just an excuse to show some really cool visuals like i'll give it to him it, visually it was awesome i mean like some of the stuff some of the imagery was really cool i mean he it was really really cool but the problem is when you have movies like this that don't have any kind of um, linearity or any kind of structure, they tend to get very boring because you don't know where it's going to go. You're not anticipating anything. You don't know when it's going to end. You don't know anything about it. And with movies like that, unless it's something that's really kind of grabbing me, I get bored. And unfortunately, that was this one. I just noticed a review on Letterboxd that says, the worst white zombie music video ever. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a pretty apt uh, description of psychopaths. But yeah, this one, I, I still want to see what this director is doing next. I'm still interested in his work because I think he's, I think he's just, he doesn't care. Like he takes a lot of chances and he does his own thing, you know, and I, I respect that. And I think that his movies are interesting. This one just didn't work for me. Yeah. Uh, what's next on your list? Uh, I I uh, I finished Birth of a Nation. I don't know. If oh, it, finally! If yeah, that, if that counts. Did did it's did it the, turn around for it's you? A, it, a big it, fan it, of it now? Uh, it didn't get better. Just a heads up. It stayed. It pretty I'm much shocked. stayed awful from start to finish. Um, it just kind of it irritated me after a while because not only like I said before, it's you know it's amateurish. It's it feels like a TV movie, but not you know not a good TV movie. Um, and it's just these like little bullet points, you know, like a small scene and then next small scene and then a small scene and a small scene. But the thing that also kind of irritated me that I kind of noticed when I went back and finished it was like every every scene, he's essentially casting himself as like the greatest thing ever, which again it's it's a great story, but I. <laughs> like he has this complex of like every scene has to be revolved around me as the you know the star actor and director 
and everything has to make me look fucking unbelievable. And it just, it felt like such a vanity project. And it's just kind of, you know, in a sense, it feels disrespectful to the story that it's trying to tell. I just mm. found it irritating. It just really irritated me. All right. Well, so, I wasn't yeah. going to, I was probably going to skip it anyway, but. Yeah, you should definitely do that. Again, big bummer to hear that because heard a lot of great things and I was, I was very interested in seeing it. Uh, one movie that I saw, here's a couple that uh, I thought were good, but not amazing. Uh, one was take me. This is, uh, or I guess it'd be like, take me. This is the Pat Healy directed one. Okay. I believe this is his uh, directorial debut. Actually, it stars Pat Healy and Taylor Schilling. He, uh, he plays a character who runs a, a simulated abduction company. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we talked about this before on the, on the show with that one movie, I think it was called the blackout tapes or something mm-hmm. where this is actually a real thing. There are actual companies that will, that you can pay and they will kidnap you and torture you for a set Why? amount of time. Why? Why is that a thing? Well, it's a, uh, it's a form of therapy. What's this? That's that's what that's what it's being used. It, I th- I think it's half of it is therapy and half of it is like thrill seekers looking to do it. It's just I don't know, but you know, you do know, but a lot of the stuff is still real. Like you're still being tied up and thrown into a van, and it happens randomly, so you don't know when it's going to happen. But wouldn't I would imagine that you would just start giggling and be like, "Oh yeah, that's right. I hired people to kidnap me." I'm paying money for this shit right now. I think that I think that it's probably a role playing thing. Like they want to play into the role of the kidnapped, you know. I, so I mean, I, need, I think that they're more than need, willing to act the part. You definitely need therapy, but I don't know if that's the right therapy. I, I would never sign up for it. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe it works for some people. At any rate, Pat Healy plays this guy. He's running this business. Taylor Schilling hires him. Now, normally the way that he does it, he does eight hour sessions. So you pay a certain amount of money. He kidnaps you for eight hours. And like you go through, he goes through this whole like questionnaire, like interview thing to figure out why you want to be kidnapped. Like, um, for instance, the, the character that he, he did a kidnapping at the beginning of the movie and it was, um, Jim O'Hare, uh, from parks and rec. Mm-hmm. He kidnapped him because he is like an overeater or something. So he, kidnaps the guy and buys like five giant hamburgers and forces him to eat them all. And that's kind of his therapy. And so Taylor Schilling hires him for an entire weekend, which he doesn't normally do, but he, she offers him a shitload of money. So he agrees to do it. The other stipulation is she has to be slapped. She wants to, she wants him to be physical with her, which again is against his guidelines, but he reluctantly agrees to do it because he needs money. He's like broke and it's a, it's a lot of money that she offers him. So he does the kidnapping. And then as the film progresses, you're wondering, okay, is it actually her that hired him or did somebody else hire him pretending to be her? So you have this whole thing where it's like, is she, is she in on it? Does she think that she's really being kidnapped? How far is this going to go? Because it eventually turns to violence like she stabs him and it just it gets really gets really tricky uh but it's very funny it's a comedy 
And I thought it was a really solid debut for Pat Healy. It was, I enjoyed it. Mm. Had a good time with it. So that one I would recommend. I think The Orchard is putting that out. And maybe and it might be Netflix, actually. Now that I, I think about see, it. I could see Netflix doing that one. I think it, I think it is actually Netflix that's putting that out. Uh, interesting. Uh, another one that I thought was decent, not great, was My Friend Dahmer. This was an interesting one. This is about Jeffrey Dahmer. It's based on the graphic novel uh, by the same name, written by um, John Bachturf. Now, this guy, he's a, he's a pretty, pretty big cartoonist. Uh, but the interesting thing is he actually grew up with Jeffrey Dahmer and was friends with Jeffrey Dahmer. Oh. Yeah. Goodness. And I, I want to read the uh, I want to read the graphic novel. It was a I think it was a New York Times bestseller. Actually, came out in I think 2012. Uh, but basically, the film is about Jeffrey Dahmer's childhood, and it follows his high school life. So it's like this kind of high school drama about Jeffrey Dahmer growing up and the issues that he has when he's a kid. And it's just. It's pretty fascinating. And the, the really interesting thing about it is that they were able to shoot the movie in Jeffrey Dahmer's actual childhood home. So <laughs> the house that they, that they shoot in the area, it's, it's, that's the real area. Yeah. So this one I would definitely recommend keeping an eye on. Uh, it had a great atmosphere. It looked awesome. Uh, fantastic cinematography. It felt a little long to me because it, it really goes through almost his entire high school career. Um, but it is still very, very fascinating. So, yeah, I would I would check out my friend Dahmer. Anything else on your list? Nope, that's all I got. Okay. Um, I'll just I'll wrap up with just a couple other ones very briefly. I saw Aardvark. This is uh, one directed by Brian Schoaf. This is a kind of dramatic comedy starring Zachary Quinto and Jenny Slate and John Hamm. Basically, Zachary Quinto plays a, a man with, I believe, schizophrenia. And he's he's going to therapy. Jen, Jenny Slate is his therapist. And he keeps claiming that his um, that he's seeing his brother, that his brother's back in town, and that his brother's this big Hollywood celebrity on this law and order style show on TV. And it turns out that like that was, that's actually true. Like his brother is back in town and his brother's played by John Hamm. He ends up starting to sleep with Jenny Slate, the, the, the uh, therapist. It's this kind of love triangle type story. I wasn't really into it. I didn't find it to be that funny. Uh, What's this called again? It's called Aardvark. Okay. Yeah. This sounds awful. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's you would not like it because i definitely it was one of these like what was the point of that movie like why does that movie exist because it yeah. really wasn't funny jenny slate is incredible in it I, like that that is that's the one thing is like she is absolutely incredible she is such a she's such a physical actor like when you watch her act um the just how emotive her face is yeah she needs to be uh, more things it, it, I mean, she's she's incredible in this, but the movie as a whole, nothing special. Really, just it it's fine, but it really didn't stick with me. So that's, yeah, that's that one. I saw a ton of uh, docs. 
too, which um, keep them docs in. Yeah, I don't. I don't feel like I really need to talk about a lot of those. Uh, we do have reviews up for a bunch of them, um, so j- just check the site for reviews on on a lot of the docs. I guess the only other one that I'll mention is uh, one called Super Dark Times. Super uh, Dark Times. Super Dark Times. Great title. This it's is directed a by Kevin. Title. I think it's. I think it's wow. a good title. Fucking terrible. It's no. It's it's a good title. Super Dark Times. <laughs> it's a good title. <laughs> It's it's about it takes place in the '90s, and it's about a group of friends. Where let me read the uh, I'm reading the synopsis real quick to see if like how much is revealed. Um, so it's about a group of friends where an accident occurs with them and the kind of fallout that that uh, that, that happens because of that accident. Uh, it's directed by Kevin Phillips. This movie is fantastic looking. Um, it, I felt like it, everything up until the accident was fantastic. And the accident doesn't really occur until really halfway through the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I felt like after the accident, it, it faltered a little bit. But for the most part, it was still uh, a really, really well-made movie. So I, I enjoyed that one too. So keep an eye on that one, Super Dark Times. Uh, looked great. I liked the 90s aesthetic. Because uh, we don't see that a whole lot in movies, the, uh, the 90s nostalgia not yet at least yeah everyone's still stuck with the 80s yeah trying to get that 80s feel going yeah oh and i'm sorry one other one i promise this is the last one uh i i totally forgot to mention this because i saw it early uh it's called hounds of love this one is actually going to be out on in theaters and i think on vod very soon like just a couple weeks all right uh it's directed by ben young it's an australian film and it's this sort of crime thriller about uh, this girl who gets abducted by this serial killer couple. And it takes place in Perth, Australia in the 1980s. And it's really, really good. So I'll, I'll leave it at that because it's going to be out in a few weeks. I would say check it out when it comes out. Um, really, uh, some really fantastic cinematography in this. Uh, really good use of music cues. And... Um, yeah, so I would, I would definitely keep an eye out for that one. It's called Hounds of Love. Very disturbing, but a lot of the things that happen occur kind of off camera. So in, in, in a lot of ways, it makes it even more disturbing because it happens off camera. Yeah. You see the aftermath of what happens and your mind just races when, you know, you see that. Mm-hmm. In a lot of ways, it's a lot more effective than showing like actual violence occur. Uh, again, I have a review for that one up on the site, so you can check that out. Hounds of Love. That was definitely, that That would probably be one of my top movies of the festival as well. I totally forgot about it. Because <laughs> well, I saw it actually before the festival, so. No, oh, okay. So you probably was, saw it like months ago. I, 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 did, I did. I saw it at the end. I saw it towards <laughs> the end of March, so. Uh, that's that's it. That was Tribeca 2017. Good festival overall. I saw some really strong entries and i didn't see a whole lot of crap so I'd, I'd say it's a overall it was a good year uh i saw far less this year than last year but i still saw uh probably a good number like at least 15 or 20 movies so those were just some highlights uh let's go ahead and move on to some movies that are coming out this week we got guardians of the galaxy volume 2 that's the biggie that's the big uh, daddy yeah, I would, I, yeah. 
think that's gonna I think that's probably gonna make a decent amount of money I think it's gonna make uh yeah huge huge amount of money it's got an 87 percent right now this did come out it is playing in Europe right now so it came out overseas uh already I don't know if it's playing in like China or the Asian market what? yet but it is playing in Europe what? people are saying it's that it's great so very excited about that three generations as previously mentioned it's the one with uh, Susan Sarandon Elle Fanning and who's the who's the mom why am I drawing a blank on the mom <laughs> Naomi Watts yeah Naomi Watts yeah not uh, not too interested in this one. I, I feel like you see a movie like this, and you're just like, ugh, that's like the the Hollywood version of uh, Fifty Two Tuesdays or something like that. You know? Yeah. yeah. Watch that instead. Yeah, absolutely. Because Fifty Two Tuesdays was amazing, and I think that it probably dealt with very similar uh, issues. Chuck, this is the one with Liv Shriver about the. The guy who um, Raging Bull was based on, I believe. Is that okay. correct? I have no idea. Sure. No, no, I'm sorry. Not Raging Bull. Rocky. Oh, okay. Yeah. This played Tribeca, but I, I missed it. I had it scheduled, but it was playing at like 9 a.m. And I was like, no, it's coming out next week. I'll just see it when it comes out. <laughs> I didn't want to get up. Uh, the Dinner. This is that one with Richard Gere. Not not too sure what to think about that. The Lovers. Heard good things about that one. Yeah, that's the new Azazel Jacobs. Mm-hmm, that looks mm-hmm, good. Mm-hmm. I heard good things. Another good. Evil. Ooh. I, I want to see this. I don't know if you saw the trailer for this or not, but uh, uh, no. it, it looks it looks very funny. It's uh, directed by Carson Mel and stars Steve Zissis and Mark Proksh. He's a character actor who I'm sure that if you... He was in uh, Breaking... Breaking? No, not Breaking Bad. Oh, my. Uh, yeah. Uh, Better Call Saul. Yes. Better Call Saul. That's right. I was close. He's, he's a ridiculous person. I, I know. I, I like him. And he, and he plays like an exorcist in this movie, so I'm, oh, I'm pretty excited for that. <laughs> uh, let's see. Risk don't know too much about Is that it about the board game? <laughs> it's an adaptation of the classic the hit board game i don't know if they're like finally getting around to if that was part of like the uh when they're redoing when they're making board games into movies oh well i'm sure it's gonna happen without a doubt no. this is oh, okay this is laura Poitras. okay yeah this is the the laura poitras uh documentary about um julian assange do we need another one I don't know. Like, I haven't seen a trailer or anything about about this, so maybe it's about something different. But yeah, I mean, I, just, I don't. I don't know if we might, need another Assange documentary. Like, better, I, I feel like that guy's ego is infl- inflated enough. Like, let's just let's just, just let him go. Yeah, can we just ignore him forever? Yeah. Now, uh, let's see what else we got here. Like crazy, we got Burden, which is a documentary about the artist, the performance artist. Can't remember his first name. His last name's Burden. Ooh. Okay. Chris. Chris Burden. Chris Burden. Yeah, this played at, this was at Tribeca last year, actually. Enter the Warrior's Gate. Uh, enter that looks, gate. It looks pretty bad. It's a uh, martial arts. It's like a martial arts flick, but it's 
like an American martial arts flick, so it's probably not going to be very good. Uh, Take Me, which is the Pat Healy one I just mentioned. So that's Dang. coming out. Yeah, that's coming out next week. Maybe we'll review that on the site. I don't know. Uh, yep. So that's that's two that I just mentioned so far that premiered at Tribeca that are already coming out. Yeah. Bit ridiculous. Well, um, what you call it? The Circle. That played Tribeca, and that came out what? this past weekend. Come yeah. on now. <laughs> uh, let's see what else we got here. This is not what I expected. Lady Blood Fight. What? A Woman's Life and Black Sight Delta. So I got a uh, good, good number of uh, movies coming out next week. All right, next week on VOD, we have Tiger Raid, which was one I saw at Tribeca last year. I think it was... Uh, not great. I wasn't that into it. It's a, it's like a war, war film, but it's like a very, very isolated war film. It's just about two soldiers, and mm. I can't remember where it takes place, but I think Bosnia. Okay. Starts off interestingly enough, but it, I did not like where it went. I just thought it was a little meh. Even lambs have teeth. Not sure what that is. American Exorcism. I could probably guess what that is. Black Rose. The Shadow Effect, Take Me, and Enter the Warrior's Gate. Enter that gate. Enter that gate. What are you doing? I don't know. There's something about that. I don't know the, what you're doing word, here. You need to go into that gate. <laughs> the wording of that, enter the gate. You don't really enter the gate. Like you enter through you, the gate. You enter, yeah, you go through the gate. But you don't you enter. You enter whatever, whatever area is past the gate. Yeah. You would enter into that. Be like enter the warriors area. Yeah, because I'm. I, I all I can think of is someone is getting inside <laughs> going the gate. Into inside the gate. <laughs> getting in the gate. Uh, Which I think would be more interesting than a movie about someone going through a gate. Yeah, but I don't know. I haven't watched a lot of gate movies though. Be no. honest. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Next week on Blu-ray. This is for May second, Tuesday. Uh-oh. We got Black Butler the movie. Big fan of Black Butler. Uh, it's an it's an interesting. Uh, it sounds like it would be some sort of racially charged, you know, period piece or something, but it's actually an anime, and this is the live action version of the anime. Isn't this like most animes just ridiculous? I think it's pretty. You talking about this one. Before. Uh, yeah, I think we talked about it before. It's it's slightly ridiculous, but it's very uh, it's really fun. It's no it's no One Punch Man though. Which, update, I'm still watching One Punch Man, and it is incredible. It is absolutely incredible. There's this one scene where he's fighting this, like, giant monster, and for some reason the monster's, like, announcing all of the attacks that it's doing, so it's, like, flaming sword slash. And then One Punch Man just goes, many regular punches. <laughs> it just crushes him. Then <laughs> I'm, like, I'm, like, five episodes in, and... You know, I was thinking like, oh, it's just he's just really powerful. And that's just like he's going to go up against people that give him a challenge. But no, like literally every enemy he comes up against, he hits them once and they're done. <laughs> and you would think that that doesn't make for a very interesting show, but it does. I have to check that it's, one out. That actually does oh, my God. It's, it's so good. I love it. I watch one episode. I'm, I'm spacing it out. I just watch one a night. All right. Anyway. What else do we got on Blu-ray here? We got Hunting Grounds. This is a Bigfoot movie from the looks of it. 
the windmill, which was that one that I saw last year. It's about uh, it's a horror film that takes place in Holland. Oh uh, yeah, not great. It's, the windmills are killing people. No, no not really. But <laughs> I wish. They're not? No, it's a monster. It's like a monster that's inside the windmill. It is sort of like a haunted windmill. Okay, maybe. that's a little bit better. But yeah. I would like to see a windmill get up and like roam the countryside. And just use its blades? Yeah, just use its windmill blades. blades. And it's just walking just... through and just mowing down everybody. God, that'd be cool. I'd watch that. Hell yeah. All right, what else we got? Mind gamers? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Mind gamers. Please tell me what this is about. I don't know. The cover looks like some some girl is coming out of a guy's head. What? Looks terrible. They're gaming. They're gaming minds. Mind gamers. They get in your head. It's Us. a group of brilliant young students create a wireless neural network linking multiple minds via a quantum computer. Oh fuck, dude! Watch out. Yeah. A Dog's Purpose. Uh, so skip that one. I heard nothing but bad things. Rings. That's the new the new Ring movie. Uh, I heard that was pretty bad too. Beyond the Gates. That one wasn't that great. It was meh. <laughs> Two Gates movies. Yeah. Gates but see, this one's Beyond brain. the Gates. They said that they said it correctly in this one. Yeah, but if you remember, they never go beyond the gates. No, they don't. They don't, which was a huge it's letdown. A it's a lie. They just open up the gate and this... Well, I guess the stuff that was in the gate, behind the gate, they go beyond the gate. That's true. It's all a matter of perspective. Yeah, I guess that's true. The Autopsy of Jane Doe, that's the one with uh, Emil Hirsch that was uh, quite surprisingly good. I, I enjoyed that quite a bit. The Red Turtle, finally get a chance to see that. Streets of Fire is coming out from 1984. Okay. Just recently saw that for the first time. Cool. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's interesting. It's an odd, odd movie, odd little movie. I'm not your Negro comes out. I would definitely check that out. It's probably one of the best documentaries to be released last year. The Salesman. I think that so, was uh, did that win best foreign language film? I think it did. Uh, I think you might be right. I know it was nominated, but I'm I'm pretty sure it did also win best foreign language film. Gold. That's the one with uh, Matthew McConaughey. Yes, by the the guy that directed the Lincoln Lawyer, coming back to the comedian that comes out the one with Robert De Niro. It's got a really bad cover. Okay. Uh, that's pretty much it. Oh, Brewster's Millions getting a new Blu-ray release. Criterion? No, huh. I wish should. I fucking Brewster's Millions. I don't see why they don't do that. Like Criterion should just. I think like for April Fools or something, they should release movies. Like Brewster's no. Millions. Like, like a movie that would be good. No. Like a movie yeah. that dessert. They need to, number one, when it comes to comedies, they need to up their game. Number two, when it comes to contemporary picks, they need to up their game. They're, they're, they're just slacking in those two areas. Well, yeah, genre films, too, I guess. They don't, yeah, they they don't really they, narrow, narrow view. Yeah. They need to open that shit up criteria. Well, that, they didn't used to be like that, if you remember. Like, I mean armageddon and they released like the beastie boys videos remember that yeah they, they, they used to so, yeah, be more contemporary yeah speaking of which are there any criterions next week there are none 
All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a minute, take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash filmpulse. Consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber for just a dollar a month. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson. We will see you next week. I am a vandal. Yeah, the paper's nice. But it's the rush I like. Don't care about the money when you're an adrenaline junkie. Why?